return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Second, take your Bible, say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And we welcome people watching today. India, we've heard you're opening up more and more, the country and so forth, and beginning to have some services, so we're really glad about that. But we pray blessings on you and safety on you in Jesus' name. Africa, the same way, we pray blessings on you in the continent of Africa. Thank God for the Holy Spirit moving there. For uh, uh, Europe, the United States, some of you that can't make it here even for the services, your home, we just bless you and understand we want you safe. And uh, glad you can tune in this way for our services today. So, praise God. When people, when, uh, people talk about moves of God, <clears throat> they tend to focus on big meetings. <clears throat> they tend to focus on dramatic events and spectacular things. And, of course, those are, those are very good. <laughs> you know, they're fun. Fun to be around those things. But here's another thing that we never want to miss out on, and that is God has called us into a relationship with him. All right? There's a relationship he's called us to. So above all that, remember remember there were 10 lepers healed, but only one came back to Jesus. Now, they were all healed, but nine, Jesus said, well, where are the other nine? Well, they weren't to be found. They, they went off on their own. I'm sure glad to be healed of leprosy, but not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus healed a lot of people that never followed him. A lot of people were healed that never followed him. That happens today, too. People, sometimes people, they use God like a 911 number, you know, I really need your help, and God comes through, and then they forget about it, you know. Or sometimes people say, if you just get me through this, I'll serve you, and then they get through it, and then don't serve him, you know. So the key, a key is a relationship with Jesus. Now, there's a good verse here, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. It says that uh, uh, God is faithful by whom you were called. So there's a calling on our lives. We're called into the fellowship of his dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You become who you hang out with. Now, this word fellowship is koinonia. It's like we have in the back. We call it koinonia coffee shop. So in between Sunday school and the worship time, there's coffee, coffee and lemonade and treats and so forth back there. So if you come early for Sunday school, hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a good idea. We have adult Sunday school here. We have a variety of teachers. The same with Sunday nights, variety of teachers. Same with Wednesday nights, variety of teachers. But it's always a blessing. Always a good word, positive word that will bless your life. But in between there, we call it koinonia 
uh, coffee house or coffee shop. It's a time of fellowship. This is the word. Fellowship means koinonia. So we're called into the fellowship of his dear son, Jesus Christ. So this is an association or an intimacy or it's a participation. You both have to participate. We have to participate. And of course, he's already committed himself to participate. But you are who you hang out with. Okay, so... You know, we could come, you could come to church on Sunday. You could, easy to fool me. Hey, pastor, how you doing? And so forth. And then the rest of the week, live a whole nother lifestyle, you know, with other people. We are who we hang out with. So, so the more, the more I hang out with my wife, the more I know about my wife. Okay. So we're coming up on 45 years. And so the more we hang out together, the more I know her. I know how she thinks and so forth or what might please her and the vice versa. Just because we're around each other. Now, I don't hang around you as much. And you're probably thinking, well, that's good. Hallelujah. But uh, the more I, we do hang around each other, the more we know each other. Now, the one we should hang around with a lot is Jesus. And we do that by the Holy Spirit, of course. But we hang around him. So by association, we just begin to grow. Now, we do that in part by reading our Bibles. Bible reading schedules in their back, on the back table. We've advocated this for decades. But, but how, can you know, how can you know him unless you read about him? Unless you read his word? People say, we talked about hearing God's voice. But you're hearing my voice right now. But my voice is composed of words. So the Bible is composed of words. It's his voice, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's his voice to us today. Amen? So you could go anywhere. SDSU had that wonderful slogan, and I still like it. You can go anywhere from here. And so you can go anywhere in the world, and you can know, you can experience the presence of God. We've, we've done that many places in the world where just in the middle of nowhere, and yet experience the presence of God. could be in a jungle and experience the presence of God. And then you open his word and he'll speak to you. So who we hang out with is very, very important. Amen? Sometimes when people, uh, when they're young people, uh, could be in high school, but it could be in college too and so forth. They'll, they'll use the word shadow. They'll shadow some, somebody. So they're thinking about a career, an occupation. And so they'll spend some days with that person on their job seeing what they do. So they shadow them. And the more they're around it, they realize, I really like this. Or they might think, it's not for me. So the more you're around Jesus, you shadow him. You just spend time with him. The more you become like him. We're not Jesus, but the more we take on his character, the more we take on his nature. Now, if I don't spend any time with him, then I, I can still say, well, I'm a Christian. Yes, but don't act like one, probably. The words that come out of your mouth might be different. What you entertain with your ears might be different. What you watch on TV or on your computer might be different. So you have to stop and think. If Jesus, who's always with us, would he be pleased with what I'm doing right now? Would he be pleased with my actions? Would he be pleased with my conduct? Would he be pleased with all those things? So when you hang around people, what do you do? You get inspired by whoever they are. Same in athletics. We used to hang around people that you go to a camp and then you see other people and you get inspired in that sport. And why would you go to a camp? So it takes you higher, right? So you begin to think bigger. Turn to your neighbor and say, think bigger. We serve a big God. We don't serve a little God. We serve a God of the miracles, a God of the miraculous. We serve a God who's Doing healings today. In this room are many, many cancer survivors. 
And so, so we serve a God who does these things. And so the more we're around him, we take on his heart. Now, if I take on his heart, first of all, vertically, I'm taking on his heart. I'm loving him. But the more I take on his heart, I'm going to love people. Remember the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Reduce it down to this and say, love God and love people. So the more I love Jesus and I'm in this fellowship, in this koinonia, then the more it comes down, I'm going to care about people around me. Amen? So what I'm talking about today, just a simple word on fellowship or koinonia, but it begins with that relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, what happens if, if like in a, even a pastor's conference, if you have pastors come and I tell pastors, don't talk about the weather, don't talk about sports, don't talk about all these other things, talk about Jesus. And I tell them to be real. Everybody's got needs. Pastors have needs too, right? Everybody has needs. Everybody faces difficulties. So talk about things that are real. Talk about maybe a testimony. Talk about how God has spoken to your heart. The purpose of fellowship, even, even prior to a service or after a service, the whole purpose is to encourage one another, right? Let's face it, we all know what the weather is already, right? So you know what the weather is, and, and you have an idea on sports and so forth, and, and uh, some of you probably will watch a game this afternoon, and I will too, but the important thing is when we come to people is what's going on in your heart, Amen. It's interesting, like, think of this, right now people have been so focused on a pandemic and they've missed everything else. Suicide rates are climbing. Crisis hotlines are through the roof. What people are looking for jobs there, we need people to answer phones because people are depressed, people are discouraged, people need help. And very difficult for some of you in other countries, the suicide rate is extremely high. Think of this, you have no job, you have no food, you have nothing, you're already living in a place that's maybe... Very, very tiny. And so consequently, it looks like there's no hope outside of Jesus. There is no hope. And then people choose bad things. So the needs are great when you think about You look at people around you, even when you fellowship with the Lord. And then you start looking at people around you. And you could always think, oh, they're doing great. They're doing great. And everybody can come off great. Yeah, I'm doing great. And maybe not doing so great. Maybe in the inside, they got a time bomb ticking. Maybe in their head, they're thinking bad thoughts. So by, by fellowshipping with the Lord, it helps you to tune in to people then, because God is really concerned with people. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he loves people. So we fellowship, we have this fellowship, we're called to fellowship first, because without that, without that, there really is no other fellowship. That's first, this vertical relationship with Jesus, loving him, him loving us, growing in relationship, hearing his voice, and then having a heart for people. Sometimes you get around somebody and you think, how are you doing? Because you're just kind of thinking, how are they doing? Sometimes people say, they all of a sudden they tear up in their eyes like, well, why did you ask? I'm facing this or this, you know. How did you know? Well, I don't know, but... What happens, the Holy Spirit helps you to be sensitive. Turn to your neighbor and say, be sensitive. Be sensitive. Hey, this begins where, though? It begins in your home. Right? It begins in your home. So a husband or wife have to be sensitive to each other. Or children and parents have to be sensitive to each other to what, what's going on in their lives. Right? I'm always asking my grandkids, how are you doing? You know, they might give me a 
You know how that is. Real, oh, great, great, Papa, great, Papa. And say, no, how are you doing? How are people treating you? How are things going? So, in other words, scratch below the surface and find out how are people doing. Amen? Amen. So, 1 John, 1 John then 1, 7. So, we have this fellowship with Jesus, this intimacy with Jesus. And then it says, we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. So, as we, you and I, walk with Jesus, we have this koinonia with each other. And, of course, we thank God for the blood of Jesus. None of us are perfect, but we thank God, hallelujah, for forgiveness. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Incidentally, look at this right here. One of the things the devil wants to do is break down relationships. So he wants to put walls in relationships where there should be this koinonia and fellowship, closeness and a camaraderie like that. The devil tries to put walls in there so he causes divisions and then people stop talking. Even in homes, husbands and wives, you know, after a period of time can become roommates. If you're married, look at your spouse and say, I don't want to be a roommate. All right. I want to be your mate. I want to be your mate. I want to be the one that we're intimate with each other. We're close with each other. We talk honestly with each other. Isn't that right? These things have to get into the home. Otherwise, see, that's the thing with the word of God. We always have to make it practical. What can I do with this? Otherwise, sometimes people are talking up here and they think, that was real good. I have no idea what he's talking about. And, of course, you just leave, leave it that way. No change. But God wants to change us all the time. Every day, it's amazing. Every day when I'm with Jesus, he's working on me. I can pray about somebody else, but he's working on me. Right? He wants to change me to be like him. He wants me to be sensitive and so forth or forgiving. We all could look at someone and say, you know, they did this against me, or they said this, or they offended me. Well, that's a big club, okay? The offense club is a big club. It's a world club. Everybody gets offended. But Jesus helps us to overcome offenses. For the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins, so that we can have this koinonia. Amen? Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Usually in the Bible times, of course, in the Bible settings, all of this fellowship was in person, all right? So it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. In other words, gathering together in person. Now, God bless you for online, and that's a wonderful thing, but, but preferably when we can, we're together in person, right? As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the day is the return of Jesus Christ. Okay, so I think it's pretty obvious. We look around the world and say, boy, the world's, Jesus is coming again. Well, he is coming again. So all the more do we want to do this in person, right? Having a personal thing. See, sometimes we, we default and we think, well, we can listen on, t- people can listen on TV. They can listen to something on the radio or a text message and so forth like that. But you can have, you can have, you can have this on right now in your home, this live streaming or watching it on YouTube and be doing something else. You know how it is. You can have, have it in the background, but you're doing something else, but it's not this, quite the same as in person. When you talk to somebody in person, what's a good thing? Eye contact. Just turn, turn to the person next to you a second. Look at their eyes. You don't have to look down. Don't, you don't have to be ashamed because of Jesus. You know, you can look at their eyes, right? 
If, I, if I'm talking, if I'm, uh, just again, to my family and so forth, I love looking at their eyes. Right? If I, this is one thing, you know, because uh, I have a sports background and so forth, but I've shared with my grandkids too. When you're in a huddle, what do you do? You have your focus on what the coach is saying or the play being called or whatever it is, right? You can't be in a huddle like this looking and seeing who's in the stands. That's not where you want your head. Focus is this way. If you're, if you're in your house and your husband and wife are talking to each other, well, it's not any good if she's talking to me, but I'm glued to the TV. Hello? I forget which grandchild it was, but the grandchild was sitting in my lap and he was talking, talking to me and so forth. And in the meantime, there was other things going on. I was looking around and they put their hands up like this and they turned their head to me like that. I thought, oh, perfect. That was just perfect. Here, child did that. Turned my head to them. Kind of like, Papa, I'm talking to you. And, and so, you know, eye contact is important. When our eyes are on Jesus, something good happens. When our eyes are on his word, something good happens. We, we, catch, we catch what he's saying. But if I'm, if I'm casually fellowshipping with the Lord, you know, whatever, I'm probably going to miss a lot of that. Incidentally, we always have the notes back there, right? What is a disciple? A disciple is a student of Jesus. So I'm a note taker. So for those of you taking notes, God bless you. There's a handful of you. You're always going to remember more if you write it down, right? So when I read my Bible, I have a notepad. I write stuff down. So I remember. Otherwise, you can think, that was really good. And what was it again? Have you ever had something in the the Lord talked to you in the night or something. Like, wow, that's so good. And then you think you write it, write it down in the morning. You ever do that? I've had that too many times to mention. And then, then I get up in the next morning and think, what was that? It was so good. So now I get up. I get up and I write it down and so forth. And I sit there and think, then I go back to bed. Invariably, I get back to bed and there's nothing, something else. Oh, okay. Get back up. You know, sometimes it's happened a few times. I just say, is there anything else before I go back to bed? You know? I mean, and then it's, but it's really rich. I mean, these are special things. God wants to talk to your heart because he loves you because your life is valuable. You're worth it. He paid the, he sent his son for us, right? So all of these things are important. How we, how we relate. So eye contact, eye contact is good. Like a lot of you would look at me right now, but you know, as you look at one another, Look into their eyes. See what their eyes are. Now, of course, even with masks, all the more. Look into their eyes. How are their eyes? That's maybe all you see is their eyes. But eyes can tell a lot about a person, you know. And so uh, just by looking at their eyes and, and uh, sharing God's love with them. Very, very important. Amen. So, so the devil's tactics, and this is why COVID-19 is so, so devilish, you know. Because what does it do? It divides people. People can't get together. People can't fellowship, uh, communicate, or whatever. And very, very difficult. When I call some folks in the nursing home, they're very, a lot of them are very depressed because they can't. They have no contact. And one said, "It's just I'm in a prison." And I, he's really tr- right. <laughs> he's in a prison because no one, no one can see him. No one. And so very difficult. So the devil's tactics. The devil's tactics are always to divide, isolate, and conquer. And that's, that's the same thing we face in all of this, you know. So it's good to, as best as you can, to see each other. 
Of course, you can do FaceTime as well and uh, Zoom or things like that too. But, but these things, these things uh, to exhort one another is you're exhorting one another to stay you're exhorting one another to stay in this fellowship. Not, not this physical, but fellowship with each other. Hebrews 3, verse 13 says to exhort daily. So that's, that's a big deal. So this isn't just a weekly thing. You have people around you that you want to encourage each day while it's called today. Because, of course, we all can be, uh, we all face deception and so forth like that. But if we exhort, we're encouraging, we're instructing, we're teaching to... Uh, uh, Fellowship with each other. The Bible says a lot of things. A lot of times it's talk about one another. So we're going to talk about that for a minute. There's as, as a number of verses. Let me just climb through these. John 13, verse 34. Jesus said, uh, I, this is a commandment. Think about this. Old Testament had commandments. Now, there's a commandment in the New Testament. And the commandment is that I want you to love one another. Isn't that amazing? Now, it doesn't mean you have to like everybody. But you do have to love everybody. There's a difference. Love means you still treat them with respect. You still have to care about them. Now, you might not like their personality, might not like what they do, may not like a co-worker, but you still got to love them. Amen? Amen? You still have to do that. It's a command. I want you to love people. It's a command. And so, you know... uh, uh, People, a lot of people say, I just, I would love my job if it wasn't for so-and-so. <laughs> You're always going to have people around, you know. So you have to get over that. So love one another as I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? Well, he loved us when we were still enemies. He loved us before we knew him. So when I think about that, I think about an old life that I had. I don't want to think too much about it, but I think, wow, he loved me then. That's how he wants me to love other people. Amen. Even in the wedding vows in Ephesians 5, when it talks about husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. There's a big there's a big responsibility on men, men to be Christ like men to love as Jesus loved without, you know, just just loving regardless of the situation. So this is a commandment that Jesus gave us. I'm commanding you to love each other. I'm commanding you to love people and that you also love one another. Now he says this, by this will, will, will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So King James actually says, if you have love one to another, on that verse 35. So this is how people are actually going to know. Now think, think about it. This. How does the world look at Christianity? How much the world do you think is thinking, wow, they're Christians. Look at, look at their love. Look at, look at their support. Look at, look at how they care for each other. How high in the scope do you think that is? I'd say not very high. Not very high. Because what, what does the world see? Well, the world sees people fighting, bickering, arguments, or, or making judgmental statements, you know, all kinds of things that just cause more and more problems. So the world's not seeing that love of Jesus. The world isn't seeing Christ in the church, necessarily. The world's just seeing religion. So we want to climb above religion. Amen. Amen? Like this church is non-denominational. So there are no ladders to climb here. But, but you, you, want to, you want to have this relationship with Jesus that when people see you, they're thinking they love Jesus. They, they've got a, they're a nice person. They've got a heart for God. Amen. Incidentally, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 
all the love, joy, peace, long suffering, and so forth, all says just be nice. Turn to your neighbor and say, be nice. Be nice to people. You know, we want to we wanna be nice to the people that are nice, but God says, no, that's not good enough. You want to be nice to everybody. You want to be the, nice to the person that's not very nice. <laughs> okay? So, so that's the acid test now. All right, now, okay, now I, now, oh, you mean I really got to like that? I mean, I got to love that person? Yeah, you do. You got to be nice to that person. Fake a smile if you have to. You know what I mean? Be nice. Just, just, you start, you start doing things in faith and you might see some walls come down. Amen? If you just start doing that. So, so you're loving people and it says, the world's going to know you're my it's not like, oh, you go to that church. No, you, these are people. What you, the best testimony is that, oh, they love Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the best testimony that someone can have. They're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. When you have love for each other. John 15, verse 12. Jesus says again, this is my commandment. So here's this word again. So this is a very strong word. And he says, I want you to love others as I have loved you. And so, again, I look at that situation, I think, wow, how much he loves me and who I am in my imperfections, whatever. He loves me. He's changing me. Hallelujah. But that is the same love. He's, and, of course, remember, he said, freely you've received, freely give. So if I've received this love, now he says, I want you to give that love away. The test this week would be this. Find somebody that you really don't like and go love them. <laughs> Find somebody that irritates you and on purpose be nice to them. Do something nice for them, whatever. But find someone like that. Amen. You know, people, even a lot of Christians, you don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to agree on everything in the Bible, but you do need to agree on Jesus. You agree on Jesus Christ. You agree he's the savior of the world. He's the one we put our trust in to get to heaven. You agree on these these major, major things. And then we love each other. Romans 12, 5 says we're members of each other. So the reality is when we become a Christian, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, doesn't matter church A, B, or C, that, that at that point you, we are members, we are members of each other, one another, the whole thing, one another, one another. We're members. Ephesians 4, verse 25 says that we are members so we speak the truth with each other, love, uh, let each other of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members, so limbs, parts of the same body. So my, you know, in a natural way, when you and I walk and so forth, our body isn't working against itself, you know, trying to trip itself up or whatever. Your body works in harmony. And the same thing, you know, you're, you have to be nice to your body, which is part of the church. Amen? You have to be nice. Galatians 5, verse 15, don't bite or devour. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you're consumed. Well, what happens is you're going to reap what you sow. So when you speak something bad to someone or about someone, let's face it, usually it's behind their back, Right? Usually it's behind their back, and that, that causes harm. Many years ago, we were with a close friend. We were in a wedding at a church. wasn't doing the, Well, he was doing the wedding, so I was there. And, and so anyway, there was people talking and so forth like that, and someone came up to our friend, a minister friend, and he said, 
hey, you know, did, did you hear something about so-and-so, you know? And they mentioned about someone else that was there. And he said, oh, oh, just a second. Do you mean about, about the person right over there? He said, yeah. And he said, just a second. Hey, did, he got their attention. Come on over here, said, come on over here. And he got, they, yeah, yeah. He was going to tell me something about you. Go ahead, tell me. Go ahead and tell me now. Well, that guy was just, you know, cold, sober, you know, because, you know, isn't it easy to point out sins of others? And look at look at how people want to point out something, point out the sins of the world, the drunkenness or homosexuality or all these different things and so forth. And yet gossip. Oh, pretty loose lips, right? Pretty loose lips. Not a big deal. People act like not a big deal. And yet how rampant in our society is it? I had a friend, a good friend, uh, he spoke at a number of conferences here from Kansas City. And uh, I was talking with him one day and he said, I asked him a question about another ministry. And he said, uh, uh, he said oh, I'm sorry, I'm not qualified to answer that question. And I thought, what? I qualified, because was, it was like an opinion, I was asking an opinion. He said, I'm not qualified to answer that question. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, he said, I don't know. I said, I'm not in their ministry, I don't know what they're doing in their ministry and so forth. But it taught me a lesson about something. There's many things I'm not qualified to answer because I don't know the answer. What do we do most of the time? We give our opinions about people in church or people other places. We give our opinions, but those opinions can hurt others. You know, how many times do we know what's going on in somebody's life? Unless you actually get to know that person, and then maybe you can help that person or be a blessing to that person. That's something. How come a lot of people, might, someone might have an unwed pregnancy. Where's the last place they probably want to come? Church. Why? Because some, some people are, some churches are so cold you can skate out of them. You know, I, thank God for this place. I love you. You know, you don't want to be judgmental. What, that's, a, that's the first place you want people to come. If, if I have a crisis or a need in my life or something, I want to be able to run to somebody who's going to care. Or at least I think they're going to care. Amen? They're not there to beat you over the head. They're not there. To, I got a real big Bible to whack you with, you know? No, no, no. The Bible, so many times people use it in a bad way when we're always commanded to love people. Every one of us have faced things in our life that we think, wow, thank you, Lord, for helping me out. We face things. Maybe we face things we've been embarrassed about. But the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Love doesn't expose sin. It covers sin. Amen. Amen. I mean, granted, there is for, there's repentance. I know that. And so for the process of forgiveness, I know that. But love doesn't broadcast sin. Did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear what they did? No, and I don't care. People sometimes say, you don't care. Well, I care, but God's bigger than that. Amen. So God can turn things around in people's lives. He's an expert at that. Yeah. Amen. He's just an expert at working with people. So we want to be people that if you see somebody in need, you don't want to think, oh, what happened to them? You don't want to go asking somebody else what happened to them or whatever. You want to go to ask them. Right. Turn to your neighbor and say, go in person. If you hear something, go in person. Or... Sometimes that's not possible, I understand. So go the whatever next personal way there is. Text sometimes can be pretty cold. But you can hear a voice over the phone. You can almost tell a person's smile over the phone.
You know what I mean? When you call someone and say, you know, I, I want to just call and see how you're doing and so forth. And it's powerful. Amen. It's powerful. So you don't want to you don't want to bite somebody. You don't want to wound somebody. You want to bless somebody. Amen. You want to be a healer. You want to be a healer. Galatians 5.13, it says, by love you serve one another. just means you do service. You do something to <clears throat> thank God for freedom in the Holy Spirit, but the freedom isn't for me to do what I, whatever I want. The freedom is to be free in Christ to do something. Even one time we were at a, many years ago, we caused an offense. It was our fault. We caused an offense with a person, a minister and so forth in another state. And so we drove on purpose to their place. And uh, when we got there, uh, his wife said, well, he's not home right now and this and that. And she was happy to see us and everything. And I said, oh, I said, well, we'll wait. And, and then I saw that the lawn needed mowing. So I thought, well, I wasn't dressed for the occasion, but got the mower going. I mowed his lawn. And then he came back. You know, it was, it was just, it was just uh, looking for an opportunity to serve one another. But it broke down a wall. It broke down a wall. It healed a friendship. It healed a relationship of something that was said, misunderstanding, and so forth like that. But those things are very important. Galatians 6, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. So we're not here to exploit burdens. We're here to bear burdens. Amen? This koinonia fellowship is wonderful because when I'm in a relationship with Jesus, it makes me or causes me to want to help others. How can I help others? So many times... Again, people can be judgmental or critical. Well, they deserve that. They made poor choices. Okay, and you haven't made any poor choices in your life, you know? I mean, who hasn't made a poor choice? And then we, we sometimes we think, well, they deserve it. And sometimes I think, I'm so glad I don't get what I deserve. But grace, we get grace. By grace, we're going to heaven. So we bear one another's burdens. We bear, it could be a trouble, it could be an issue or whatever, but we help to support how much better that if you leave that person or conversation and you're thinking, boy, I'm sure glad they came over as opposed to sure glad they left, you know. You bear their burdens. It's, it's important. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says that we should be kind. Be kind to each other. We should be tender-hearted, not hard-hearted. So we're kind, we're tender, tender toward people, forgiving one another, even as God, is, God in Christ forgave you. We used to have a ministry to drunk drivers. So we mail in the Brookings paper, there'd be things in the paper, drunk drivers and stuff. And somebody, somebody uh, one time was upset. Very seldom did that happen. But somebody called one time, why'd you send me that letter, you know? And I said, you know, he was, he was upset. And I said, well... I sent the letter because I care. I don't know you, but I care about you. And, and uh, he said, well, it was my first offense, drunk driving. I said, listen, I was a drunk driver. Before I knew Jesus, I was a drunk driver. I just never got caught. I was just as guilty as you are, but, not, but never caught. I said, I've been in your shoes. And I said, I said we, care. we care about people, we care about your life. This whole tone change, you know. You have to remember where you came from. Amen. My dad, my dad taught school for 37 years, and, and uh, he, he would work with kids, some of the kids that, you know, maybe weren't college-bound, of course, weren't the brightest kid in the class or so forth, but he'd work with kids, and he'd help them to achieve, to just, just 
learn and graduate, <laughs> right? Some kids, some wonderful, some are genius. I had a friend in college, he had a photographic memory. I hated the guy, so to speak, because it's like, he's my friend. I'd study hard and I'd come out and have a high B or something and he'd have an A with the bonus points in physics, you know. And he sat in the day room the night before watching TV while I'm studying. He's had a photographic memory. I just think this is not fair, you know. This is how he was. I wasn't that way. But you work with people where they're at. You help people along. Is that right? I mean, sometimes we all could think, you know, wait a minute, you've had 10 extra chances. All right, grow up. This is it. You know, the Lord never says this is it. He actually never says that. It's, never, it's not like, all right, I'm going to give you one more chance. He doesn't say I'm done. He, he's, he's, my dad gave his life for the Lord when he was like 80 years old. He's in a wheelchair in Iowa in the nursing home, and he can't see anymore, and he can't walk or anything. And, you know, when I got saved toward the end of college, he wasn't happy about it. You know, my life changed and different things. But now, and he was not happy for years. But now, late in life, he gives his life to Jesus. And I'm leaving, I'm leaving. He only had one vice left in his, house, in his life. You know, he used to drink, smoke, do all the things, you know, and athletic director and all the stuff. And now, and now he's in the nursery room, can't do anything at all. So I'd bring him chocolate bars. He loved chocolate bars. And, and, uh, and I, said, I said, now, Dad, I brought these big chocolate bars. I said, Don't eat them all, all at once. He'd just grin. <laughs> he'd find his drawer and put them in a drawer. I knew he'd eat one right away as soon as I left. And, and, but, you know, that day he said, yeah, I'm ready. I'll give my life to Jesus. And he did. It's a wonderful thing. He lived a couple more years before he died. But, but God never gives up on people. You know, I find myself sometimes, I, I get irritated with people. <laughs> Can't you learn this? <laughs> well, it's like the Lord says, hold on now. That's not my character talking, you know. God is gracious. Can you say amen to that? He, he just, he's tender-hearted. God is tender-hearted. You never want to have a hard heart toward God or people, all right? Because if you're kind, tender-hearted will lead you to forgive other people, even as God forgave you. So, folks, have that forgiver switch turned on all the time. Amen? Uh, Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affection one to another. <clears throat> so this is just being nice again, kindly, affection, one to another, whole thing, one to another, brotherly love, with brotherly love, giving in honor, giving preference to one another, preferring each other. James 4.11 says, don't speak evil of one another. That's the whole gossip thing again. Don't speak evil. Speak to somebody's face. If you hear something, call them up. Hey, how you doing? I heard this or this. Or this. Call them up and ask them. Amen. How much better would churches be? How much better would what governments or whatever if people would just talk? Wouldn't it be good just to talk face to face, right? Kind of lay, lay down all the other agendas and just talk and you find out, hey, they're a real person just like I am. God loves people. He loves people. He wants us to talk, all right? So don't speak evil of one another. He that speaks evil is judging his brother. All right? He speaks evil of the law, judges the law. You're not a doer of the word if you do that. So don't speak evil of each other. Don't be critical that way. First Peter 1, verse 22 says you love each other out of a pure heart. I mean, 
how do we have that? Is Again, that vertical relationship first with Jesus. My fellowship causes my heart to be right. Not perfect, but right. Right with God. And then, you know, uh, uh, we obey the truth uh, through the Spirit. Sincere love of the brother. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Honest and true heart. First Peter 4.9 says we use hospitality. That just means whatever. You know, you... Buy them donuts, <laughs> buy them something they like or whatever. Get them a Coke or something. And, and, uh, but be hospital one to another without grumbling. Actually, that's why we believe in financial blessings, so that you have money to bless somebody, right? So that you have, you have money to help somebody else out in, all right? That's the purpose of it. It's, it's, it's money with a mission or prosperity with the purpose is to help somebody else out. Hospitality. Turn your neighbor and say, be hospitable. Be hospitable. Amen? Uh, let's, let's uh, uh, Ephesians 5.29, 5.21 says, submit yourselves one to another. So it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Sometimes it might seem one way, okay, but just keep loving. But two-way street ultimately is what we want. Communication, back and forth. My wife and I have a two-way street, so we're sharing all the time back and forth like that. Uh, uh, then in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, it says, abound in love. Abound in love. I can only do that again. My relationship with Jesus is right. Then I have love to give. Otherwise, my tank is empty. I've, the world's depleted me, and I can be irritable like anybody else. All right? So, so the Lord make you increase and abound in love one toward another and to all, to everybody. Just as we do to you. So to everybody, he wants you to increase and abound in love toward everybody. Amen? Everybody. Just close your eyes a second. Think about somebody again who maybe it could be someone in your class. It could be someone, your job or someone you know, acquaintance. But someone who's not very, you don't think, think they're very friendly or nice or something like that. But I want to challenge you just right now. I want to challenge you to reach out to them. Now, they might not even be here, so you can reach out to them in a text or an email or FaceTime or WhatsApp or a Zoom call or something. You want to be the first one to cross the bridge only because Jesus commands us to do so. Amen? We can't take a posture to say, well, they haven't done this. I'm waiting for them to do this. No, no, no. Jesus commands us to love people. So you want to position yourself to make the first move. Make the first move toward that person. Amen? We, all, all it is is opening a door to heal a relationship, build a friendship, doing something nice. Amen? Yeah. See, when we do that, look at me again just for a second. When we do that, what happens? It starts causing good things to happen. Even communication, or even someone say, why would you send that to me? They might give a bristle comment to you or something. Just say, well, because I care. You know, just be honest. You know, you don't have to say anything more. You don't even have to rehash something. Just, just because I care. But all this is important. I think when Jesus talked to his disciples, I think they were glued to him. And I think he had eye contact. I think he was looking at him just like this, eye contact. You know, for everything like that. When I call a play in a huddle, I remember standing there, and everybody's, everybody's looking at me, eye contact. Focus. That's right. Focus. What, what are you going to call? What are you going to do? What's the next play? What's going to happen? In life, 
Use your eyes. Use your heart. Impact people for the glory of God. And then you might be surprised. I'm the youngest of four boys. I got saved the first. My brothers were all very successful in athletics, all kinds of things. But now they've gone through all the kinds of things in life, and now I've become the leader of my family. And they'll ask me questions. What do you think we should do? What about this? What about that? Focus. Eye contact. Heal relationships. Love one another. Draw your strength from the Lord. This relationship first. We're called to that. Then we can do his commandments because he gave us the love to do it. Amen? So just like a plug-in, take your hands for a second. Let's lift them up. Because I can't do this on my own, nor can you, but lift your hands just like, just like a plug-in. So we're plugging into his power. And incidentally, this is like a universal sign of surrender when we lift our hands. Universally, we're just saying, okay, Lord, I surrender. I need your help. So, Lord, we plug into your power and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for giving us this love. We thank you for forgiveness and grace. We thank you for a tender heart. We thank you for this fellowship we have with you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've anointed us to love other people. You've anointed us to care about other people. So we receive this anointing today, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, for using people here in this place that are listening right now. I thank you for using them in powerful ways to impact our community, universities, schools, Lord, our communities all around us, Lord, impacting them for your name's sake. Jesus, we thank you for your love in us. We thank you for your love in us. We thank you for this power in us and that we can give it away freely to people around us. So, Lord, I thank you today. We receive this. Say, I receive it. Say, I receive his anointing. Say, I receive his love. Say, I receive his grace. Say, I'm going to give it away. Say, I'm going to give it to everybody. Say, I'm going to be his disciple. That's going to shine for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.